focus. Focus up. I'm talking to you, Mark Arnott. Thanks for checking us out. I really, really appreciate it. My name is Chris Rubio along with Nicholas Monahan. Welcome to the Rubio Method. This is episode 26. Holy man. Can you believe it, Monahan? Here's what we're covering today. Daily routines to reduce our stress. Our weird superstitions or habits. How long would Monahan and I last in a zombie apocalypse? Monahan, that was weird. Monahan and I with babies. One of the best home run hitters in the MLB, the movie The Sandlot. Overcoming a massive tragedy, athletes, coaches, and parents, all of that and much, much more on today's episode of The Rubio Method. Christian, I'm out. Focus. Focus up. I'm talking to you, Jim, up in northern Idaho. Stay strong, my man. Monahan, it's your time. Let it rain. A minute with Monahan. Go. Here we go, guys. Today we've got three sneaky ways for you to reduce stress throughout your day. So, number one, everyone loves a good laugh. Find something that makes you laugh once a day. I promise it'll change your perspective on things, whether it's someone you know that you think is hilarious or if there's a TV show that cracks you up every single time, but find some way to laugh because it'll seriously help reduce your stress. Number two is switch up your locations, right? A lot of us these days work from home. Go to a coffee shop for the day. Go. I live by the mountains. Go into the mountains. Go do something to switch up your location that it makes it feel like something fresh and new. And go ahead and do that, man two, three times a month, you'll be surprised at how switching your location, switching your day-to-day -day could kind of reinvigorate you. And number three, turn off your phone for an hour. It sounds crazy and it sounds difficult, but if you turn your phone off for an hour, I promise you, your stress is going to plummet and you could just take a second to just be where your feet are. So that is it. That's my three sneaky ways for you to reduce stress on the daily. I love that Monahan. Obviously, if they want to laugh, they should just put on, you know, episodes one through 25 of the Rubio method. There's always some good content in there. One of the things that I like to do is I always record, um, what's it called? King of Queens. I think oh. that show is absolutely hilarious. It just makes me laugh every time. And as funny as Kevin James is, I swear to God, was it Jerry Stiller, the dad? Yes. He's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my good God. Monhan, do you have any questions that people have emailed us into Rubio at the RubioMethod.com? Yes, I do. All right. This comes from Jimmy and Foco. Jimmy and Fort Collins. What up, Jimmy? Um, he says, do you guys have any weird superstitions or habits? Yes, I will answer that first. I do the exact same thing every single morning. It sounds weird, but I brush my teeth. I do my hair. I put my deodorant on and I uh, make sure that I everything's all set up because if I feel like if I don't do the same things every single day, I'll just be off. What about you, Rubio? Monahan, hold on. How is that different than anyone else, man? Everyone does those things, except for I don't comb my hair. <laughs> you have to do them in a certain order or time limit or what? Yes, yes, I have a certain order because, sorry, I'm, I also forgot to mention. So I have hand lotion. I put my hand lotion on last because I have put it on before. And then I can't get my deodorant open. I'm trying to brush my teeth. The toothbrush is sliding around and it leads just a terrible day. So I make sure I do things in a specific order, right? Brush okay. my teeth, 
Wash right okay, here. Monahan, Monahan. I'm getting messages here from Christian on the side here. You, you went to the bathroom at some point in this? Oh yeah, that's after the shower. Sorry. <laughs> so you I go after the shower. Yeah, <laughs> everything's so nice. So you cleaned your whole body and then you just drop bombs. Yeah. What the hell is the matter with you? This is the worst setup I've ever heard. Your superstition is trash. I'm moving right past you. We're, we're moving on to me, Monahan, because you're all over the damn place. Here's my superstition. I don't have any. I don't think. Maybe I do. I'm not sure. I have a lot of friends that do. My next door neighbor, the judge, he's always twiddling his thumbs. I don't. He's, a, he's an older dude. Shout out to the judge. I don't know if that's just what older people do. I have one of my friends, the nubbinette. She has to have a Pepsi with lunch. She literally has to have one. Or she like, I don't know, she bursts up into flames or something, which she's redhead, so that could just easily happen. And then shout out to Jordan at One Shots. He wears shoes that are so big. He has to have shoes that are so big that his toes can do this move. No. Is, that's just weird. Not as weird as Monahan going to the bathroom after his shower. Monahan, <laughs> second question. Oh, man, I got to tighten it up, I suppose. <laughs> you got to do something, man. <laughs> Um, number two, this comes from Felix and Phoenix. I love that. Felix and Phoenix. What up, dude? Um, this one says, how long would you two last in a zombie apocalypse? Rubio, go for it. I'm on hand. I think I could speak for both of us, which would probably be about a minute and a half, maybe yeah. longer. Um, I think if we're, we're going to be verbal giants when this happens. So if we can become like team leaders and kind of lead people, I think we'll be fine. But then once one the, the team kind of realizes you and I are not very naturey, so to speak, <laughs> that could be kind of an issue. Yeah. So I, I, for me, I'm saying a minute and a half unless I become like a team leader and I'm allowed to kind of just, well, lead the team. Yeah, that's really good. I, dude, I don't know. I thought about this because I have a, I have a bunch of guns and stuff, um, <laughs> so I feel like I'll be good. But then once that ammo runs out, show's over, my baby, and I'm out. So yeah, I feel like <laughs> I maybe. Two or three hours at best. <laughs> Next question. This is the last one. Jonah from Pasadena. Just kidding. Jonah from Pasadena um, says, how are you two with your kids when they were babies? I'll take this one first. Um, my son is still almost nine months old. Um, so he's still kind of a baby. And I feel like I'm awesome. And I love like just playing with my son. I love flipping him upside down, putting him on my shoulders, like, just I love playing with him. Um, I love like getting down on the ground and messing around with him. So I feel like I'm pretty good. How about you, Rubio? Absolutely terrible. Oh, but I admit. No, here's the thing. I'm absolutely terrible from range like zero. So like kid flies out. Okay. So about six months. Monahan, you and I discussed this. I'm more of a, once the kid starts to smile and gets a personality, I'm 100% in. But before that, they're like crapping and pissing and, you know, peeing all over themselves and puking. And you can't really just say like, dude, what's the matter? Just tell me what's the matter. And, you know, before, after that, they're like splinter or whatever. They point to something or, you know, they're sick. I can't stand that. My wife gives me crap about all the time. Because I wanted, you know, uh, uh, our Damon Dale. And then when he got here, it's like, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm out for six months. Yeah. But from six months on, I'm pretty damn good. I'm in a sweet spot right now. He's 11 and I love that age. He's almost to the high school age where you kind of want to, you know, hit him a little bit. But because he's an idiot and everyone's been there, done that. Make sure you guys continue to subscribe on YouTube, Amazon, Google, Spotify. Uh, on Spotify right now, also, we have Spotify audio, and now it's Spotify video. Shout out to Christian for making that happen. Um, and like I said, the RubioMethod.com. We co we're coming back. 
of episode 26 with a great, great interview. Christian, I'm out. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at unitedthroughreading.org. Focus. Focus up. I'm talking to you, Hogginger. What's going on, my man? I know you'll hate the fact that I just called you that in front of everyone, but I don't care. Welcome back to episode 26. We have a phenomenal guest right now. His name is Jason Holzer. Jason, what's going on, my man? Hey, Chris. Good to see you, man. Uh, well, a lot's going on here. I'm coming to you from Kansas City. I uh, just won the Super Bowl. Got the parade tomorrow. You know, got the best quarterback in the league. So he's very good. good in the Midwest, man. He's very, very, very good. Um, who is Jason Holzer? Let me tell you. He's a co-founder of 4D Athletes. Don't worry, we're going to cover that a lot. Where he uses the power of sports to transform lives, proactively prevent suicide, and help individuals win in the game of life. He's a best-selling author of Shattered by Suicide, Renewed by Resilience. Love that title. He's a husband, a teacher, an author, a coach, and a parent. Jason, once again, thanks for coming out. Are you ready for your three quick hitter questions? I'm ready, man. Let's go. All right. I did a little uh, scamming on your Facebook and LinkedIn and all that good stuff. If you could ask Albert Pujols one question, what would it be? Um, how do you become as great of a person as you are a player? Yes, Daddy. I love that because so many athletes, they just become captain ass. And you're thinking to yourself, at some point, your athleticism is going to wear off. And then you have to become, you know, an actual human being who goes into Target and buys I don't know what are they buy K cups, those groceries things or whatever. You know, that's a good that's a good one, Jason. I like that one. What is the best restaurant in your area and why? Ooh, best restaurant in my area, Joe's Kansas City barbecue. Oh man, like they have a sandwich that has like burnt ends, provolone, and an onion ring on it. It's called the Z Man. Ooh, it's Wait, so good. What was the first thing you said? Has a burnt in? Burnt ends. So burnt ends are like oh, you're saying burnt end. Burnt ends, like uh, so that's like barbecue, so like end, they, like beginning and end. That's like a type of like the meat here, so it's like it's a like there's like a little bit of a a crispy end on it, but it has the tenderness on the other side. Oh. A little barbecue on that, a little provolone cheese and onion ring. Yes, Ooh. keep going. Good. So when you bite into this sandwich, it's like sauce flying. Yes, you're gonna need a lot of napkins. I'm so Absolutely. into that. Yeah. Jason, last last quick, easy question. Who is your favorite character in the movie The Sandlot and why? You know, I think I go, uh, I like, obviously, Ben and Jet Rodriguez, right? But I also like Yaya because Yaya is like <laughs> one of those guys that he keeps things going, keeps things moving, but he always has something to say too, right? So he's, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I was, when I was writing this question, I was thinking, do I like Ham the best? Who, I, by the way, I saw him in Burbank, California, like three years ago. He looks exactly the same, just at forty-five years old or whatever he is. Yeah, yeah. Or, but then I was thinking maybe Squints, because Squints. what what balls on Squints to fake the drowning for Wendy Peppercorn, and then they get married and have like nineteen kids or something like that. What a, what yeah. a stallion. Yeah, I will say Squints. You know, that's the, the courage aspect. Of like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to go for it. But then you got to give credit to Smalls too, right? I mean, that guy, like, yeah. you know, new kid. All right, he's got a duckbill hat that's about as long as he is tall. 
can't catch it all. And then you got Bay the Jet. That's a great, just a overall great kid. That like you know, hey, we got nine now. And they're like, oh, yeah. But what a, what a great movie too. And one of those crazy movies I was just reading about, like Shawshank, is the same type of movie where in the theater didn't really do well, mm. and then it became just this absolute blockbuster. All right, Jason, let's get down to the meat and potatoes. I'm going to come out a little bit negative, but then I like to li lead off the negative deposit. That's just the way I do my life. Your dad, I want to just hit this really quick. He committed suicide when you were 17. How in the hell did you get through that and become such a positive influence to others? I mean, that's got to be just unbelievable. And you power through it to become this monster of positivity. Yeah, you know, uh, at 17, right, you think you got yeah, – the world's in front of you. You're invincible. Like, you know, things are all good. And then you, know, you wake up, your dad's here one day and he's gone the next. And you're trying to figure out how in the world do I move forward with this? And I have two younger sisters, right? A mom as well. Like, and I'll say this about my dad. He was a great man. Like he was fun. He was engaged. He was involved. My mom and him were, had a great relationship, you know? So it wasn't a dysfunctional situation at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, only thing I could say is sometimes it was like one moment, one mm -hmm. second, you know, one day. Um, and the thing I really clung to was believing that eventually things would get better. And I was a fortunate to be around uh, family members that were supportive, that checked in on me, that made sure I was making decisions that were going to be beneficial in the long run as well as the short term. Um, so a lot of faith and community was, was a really how I was able to, um uh, make it again one day at a time and almost 20 years later you know now i i look back at the things i learned from it mm -hmm. with hoping to help other people understand the significant uh impact that suicide has on not just me but also like immediate family and and circles of friends and everything it just it, it hits you in a way that other things just don't and you, and you chose to learn from that. I mean, it, I guarantee it wasn't overnight, obviously, but 20 years later, like you said, you, you, you've created this amazing, amazing thing. And I want you to talk to me a little bit and explain to me, like I'm a third grader, what is 4D athletes? So it's a Mike, it's like small lessons that teach you how to become the best version of yourself and in mind, body, spirit, and emotion. So that's what 4D is the four dimensions of mind, mind body, mind. spirit, and emotion. Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a way that you can develop every part of who you are as a person in a way that sports can can do that. So that's what we've done is is we've created these simple short lessons. Like so, for example, if you are a kid and you want to learn how to be more courageous, well, we have a week where we have three lessons that tell you what courage is, but then we even go deeper and we show you how to build courage in your routine and in your life at seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old. That way you have these foundational pieces to success. So when life does happen, mm -hmm. you have some tools to help you get through it. And how do you explain to say a 10 year old or 11 year old, the, the concept of confidence? Because I know I have an 11 year old son, Damon Dale, and he's a really good athlete, but every once in a while he struggles with confidence. And I'm like, just prepare enough. And then I have to explain what prepare means, yeah. uh, you know, and then you'll be confident enough to just go do it. Cause you know, you see him playing basketball in the yard and he's phenomenal. He's doing all these stupid things. And then he gets on the court and he's a little timid. So how would you explain mm. that to Damon Dale? How would you build his confidence? Yeah. You know, I would first off with saying, Hey, you know what, what focusing on what are you really good at? And then have mm -hmm. him say like what he's good at to build. like see like you, and then also go back on past successes that he's had. Like you've already done this, man. 
You've yes. already and even go back to a baby, like, hey, you know what? There was a time when you didn't know how to talk, walk, or even go to the bathroom, but you learned how to do it. And so building that growth mindset piece of if you can learn that, and if you believe in yourself and who you are, that, that's the power is belief, like believing in yourself. That's the only thing that you have to worry about is believing that you can, number one, improve. Number two, that you've already had so many successes already at age 11 simply by being born is a success because it's like a one of 4 billion chance that you're going to even be born. <laughs> exactly. You know, so the fact that you're here right now, that's a success in of itself. Right. So um, just laying it out for him, like, Hey, this is how you've already accomplished and you can continue to improve by just focusing on getting a little bit better every day. Are you better than what you were yesterday? Yes. The answer is yes. Then be confident in that, you know, believe in yourself that you can continue to improve. You work with a lot of athletes. I work with a lot of athletes. I know my answer. I want to hear yours. What percentage of an athlete's success do you believe is mental? Oh, I would say over 90. Yeah. I mean, because you've got someone like Albert Pujols, who's he's got to be, what, 6'3", 6'4", 260, big, I mean, big dude. piece of beef. Obviously yeah. strong as hell. It was like the whole Barry Bonds thing when he was on roids, and allegedly. Uh, and, you know, um, hitting home runs after home runs. Yeah, that's he, the, the muscles kind of helped. But, dude, hitting that little round ball with essentially a round bat, that takes a lot of skill, but it also takes being mentally strong when every single person's waiting for that guy to fail. So how would you build up an athlete's mentality or mental strength at, say, like between 10 and 18? You know, I think you'd start with, like, defining what failure means and then attacking failure. So I learned this from a Navy SEAL who actually works with Major League Baseball players. He calls it fear setting. Like, so many people have goal setting and that kind of stuff. But, like, the first question you ask is, you know, what is your greatest fear? Is it striking out? Is it airballing? What is it? Then you attack it. Okay, so what's the worst thing that could happen if I strike out? Well, I'll get an out, you know. And then and then, so then you negate the fear of, like, not making it as big of a deal as what it is swirling around in your head, right? So figuring out what that fear is. Then asking yourself, what am I doing to make that fear become a reality? So you're, you're, you're pinpointing, you're circling things that you're doing right now that could make that fear a reality. Am I practicing enough? Am I not practicing enough? Am I working at things to get better? Then on the flip side of that, what can I do to make sure my fear does not become a reality? Because a lot of times people will run away from fears. So if you have a blueprint on the things that you can do to avoid the fears, you'll actually become more successful because you're naturally biologically wired to run away from fear as opposed to face it. So I know I, I love that. I love that. You know, it's just reading something about the, there's a story of the Buffalo where the Buffalo, instead of running away from the storm, runs through the storm just to get through it quicker. And that mm -hmm. kind of is almost the same thing where you, if you see the fear, if you make a, a notion of the fear, if you make a list of it, it's like, okay, I don't want to shoot a free throw that goes over the backboard. Let's practice. And then yeah. it becomes, am I practicing the correct way or am I just half-assing it out there and not doing a, a damn thing? Well, then it becomes the power of visualization too. Like, mm. I, they did a study on, uh, they did three part study where there was players that were, uh, they were shooting it like physically, people that were using their mind to imagine making it, and then there's this control group that didn't do anything, right? And the people that just focused on rhythms in their mind made like, I think they were like, you know, they twenty out of twenty five, and then the people that physically practiced were like twenty two out of twenty five. So there was literally like using reps in your mind to imagine the ball go in the basket or hit the ball or whatever it may be using the power of your mind to see that ahead of time, your body follows what your mind thinks about. 
Okay, so when you're doing this visualiz visualization stuff, sorry about that, how young do you think you could start with an athlete? I mean, do you think you could start? I mean, because what, what does Bumblebee soccer start at like age five? That's probably a little too young. Yeah. Are you think well, like 10, actually, 11? So with my six-year-old, whenever I'm throwing him, like he wants to play in the backyard. I tell him to mm -hmm. breathe, breathe in, smile, and then imagine yourself at the ball. And then I'll throw it to him. And then sometimes he misses, but I was like, hey, mm -hmm. you know what? If you keep imagining it, your mind gets stronger and stronger, just like a muscle. And then sometimes he'll like lace one out and it's like, dad, I thought about it before I did it. And he's six, you know? Yeah. So I think once I get into school, I think we got to stop limiting what we think kids can do. Yes. And, and say, Hey, you know what? If you're able to learn how to read at six years old, you have the, the mental capacity to start imagining yourself being successful and whatever it is. Yeah, because their imagination is so strong anyway. So if they can believe they're riding a unicorn, uh, talking yeah. to Santa on the back of a panda, well, then they can also believe that they're winning a championship, you know, for the St. Louis Cardinals or something like that. Or when even like, in, you know, like making a shot in basketball, you imagine the ball going in the basket, you know, all those things. Like try to train their imagination early to get them to think of success as opposed to what most of us got was like, we're always imagining the worst case scenarios. Like why not mm -hmm. teach them to imagine the best case scenario? So you're saying basically like almost imagine the championship, imagine being lifted up on the shoulders, imagine getting involved the in things. the feelings of it too. Like actually feel like you did win it too. So because imagine an emotion equal action to get you to that space of where you want to go. I'm a big fan of that. What are some of the biggest mistake parents make with their kids in sports? Too much pressure in general. Like, okay. So you okay, know, well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. What I mean by that is like, there's these nine, 10 year old showcases, these, you know, things that you think that you have to be in, right. To get noticed. And the truth is like no scout in whatever sport it is, is looking at your nine or 10 year old kid for their organization or college or whatever. And I think if you're able to allow your kid to experience the sport and what can they learn from it, then it can be a place where they can have a lot of growth from it. But too many times, car ride home is about what the kid didn't do or should have done better. Or there's parents that have put so much money into a particular sport trainer, whatever you name it. And then the kids isn't, isn't performing because he's nervous about letting mom and dad down, but they don't realize like that's why, because they don't give him mm -hmm. a chance to let the kid listen and tell them what's going on. I think there's, I mean, there's a litany of things, Chris, but I think if you just like let your kid focus on their interest and support them and say, Hey, I'm here for you. You know, I I will love watching you play and then just let them go do their thing. And then if they lose, find ways to connect with them that don't really regard the sport. If they, they'll come and talk to you naturally if you let them. But, mm -hmm. hey, man, you know what? Tough game. You tried hard. Let's go have some pizza or let's go, you know, watch a movie or something like that. And then – it's such a fine line, though, being a parent of three boys where you 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 want to, okay, the kid had a terrible game, and it's going to happen. It always does. No one's perfect. Of Hey, that's, that was a rough one. Let's go have a pizza. To It's so hard as a parent slash coach to let's fix what happened because I saw 8,000 times in a row where you put your head down when you're dribbling. It's like, dude, just lift yeah. your head up for the love of God. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, and it's such a, it's such a fine, fine line. Do you have any advice for that? You just got to find the right moment of when you want when they want to be taught because mm -hmm. you can tell them all those things, but if they're not open to it, then it's almost like you're trying to talk to somebody that is not willing to hear you. Right. So, you know, a friend of mine, she's always says connection before redirection. So how mm -hmm. do you connect with your kid first so that it makes them feel heard and valued? And then 
you'll find those sweet spots of like, hey, let's go outside in the backyard and dribble a little bit. Oh, I noticed whenever you were in the game yesterday, you kept your head down. What if, let's try to keep our head up next time. What do you think about that? Then your kid's more open to you because you've connected to them. They feel like heard and valued and understood. Now they're going to be more open to hearing daddy and mommy's advice. All right, Jason, one quick bit of advice that kind of worked for me as well. A lot of times because, you know, you being the parent, a lot of times the kids don't necessarily listen to the parent because they have they think that you went from you know, 12 year old to 35 or 40 year old. You just never were the teen. So my buddy and I used to always say, like my kids say he needed help dribbling with his eyes up. I'd say, hey, buddy, you tell my kid to dribble with his eyes up. I'll tell your kid to make make sure he goes to his left. And sure as hell, every single time the kid would be like, hey, Johnny told me th- his dad told me to do this. And I, he, he's right. I should do that. And we just look at each other's parents. And go, oh, my God. I've literally said that 5,000 times. So that's a shout out. Just a little bit of advice. Um, who do you think imp- imp- impacts? Good God, I can't talk today. Who, Jason, who do you think impacts an athlete more? Coaches or parents? You know, I would say two parts of this question. I would say up to about 12 years old, it's the parents. Mm-hmm. But then something happens with the adolescent mind and they want to start like, and this is prime a little bit as they get to, they want to start finding their own way. That's when those mentors of coaches really can start to make the bigger impact. So I would say it's both, right? So up until a certain age in childhood, it's the parents, but then the coaches really start to come into play in adolescence, you know, which is like adolescence they define actually is like between 12 and 24 because your brain doesn't develop to like 24. Yeah. Jason, Jason, I had a phenomenal time talking to you. Where can people find out more about 40 athletes and yourself? Yeah, uh, 4dathletes.com, fourletterdathletes.com is our website. Um, we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok. Um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn as well, just Jason Holzer, and you can find me on most social platforms just by typing in my name as well. Perfect. Jason, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Have fun at the parade tomorrow. Hopefully everything goes well with you and your six-year-old son. Have a great time. Next segment is the bottom line. Christian, I'm out. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I was just gonna drive home. Ah, 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 there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. (laughs) Selfies nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. Focus, focus up. I'm talking to you, Baldick. Thanks for always sending me fantastic memes and gifts. Gifts or gifs, Christian? I don't know which one it is, but you do a great job of sending me those and keeping me laughing all day long. Welcome back to episode 26 of the Rubio Method. Continue to watch and listen on Spotify, now on video as well. YouTube, Google, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and of course, the RubioMethod.com. And if you have any questions for Monahan or myself or any of the guests, email Rubio at the RubioMethod.com. And of course, you can always check out all the great content creators at ngbn.tv right now we are back with the bottom line the bottom line for all you new listeners and watchers is just the stuff that you should have learned without even realizing you learned it so here we go number one 
Create a routine to take the burden off your shoulders. The Minute with Monahan talked all about it, even though Monahan's routine was absolutely terrible, and hopefully he figures it out. But you want to create a routine to take the burden off your shoulders. So basically just becomes muscle memory, and you're doing it over and over and over again. Number two, never stop learning since you never know when all hell is going to break loose. This goes right back to the zombie apocalypse. Monahan and I might want to start learning some new traits. So just not our verbal skills and our comedic skills and our personalities, because I don't know how much that's going to really help in a zombie apocalypse. So continue to grow. And third, children learn by watching. Just like Jason said over and over and over, the more children see you doing something, they see you hear you talking about it. But once they watch you do something, they're going to really truthfully learn and that you want to obviously make the children better than you were at, at that age or even now how old you are now. That kind of came out a little bit funky, but you get my point. Children learn by watching. This was a phenomenal episode. I had a great time. Lots and lots of laughs. Make sure you continue to subscribe at all the avenues that where you're listening and watching, of course, on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Spotify video, and of course, NGBN.TV. If you have any questions, email Rubio at the Rubio method dot t Rubio method.com. All right. Anyway, we are out of here. Thanks for watching. Christian, I'm out. <laughs>